Chapter One of Stories of the Ships by Lewis Ransom Freeman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section Two: The Story of the Cornwall, the Battle of the Falklands. The captain had come for a breath of fresh air on the quarter-deck at the end of a grey winter's day, and it was the memories called up by the resemblance of the low, rounded, treeless hills which ringed the northern base to some other hills which he had good reason to carry a vivid mental picture of, that set him talking of the Falklands they're very much like these he said those wind-swept hills around port stanley indeed i know a few other parts of the world so far apart geographically that have so much in common topographically and climatically their people too are a good deal like the northern scots and orcadians with a dry sense of humour that usually manifests itself at your first meeting with them when they tell you that the falklands have two seasons the cold and the snowy the latter they tell you because the snow stops up the chinks and keeps out the wind is rather the warmer of the two they are a sturdy resolute lot too and we found that quite expecting the coming of the german fleet and with no sure knowledge that british naval help would arrive in time they had made all preparations to fight the enemy to the limit of their very primitive resources and a jolly good fight they would have put up too the old canopus the battleship which did not come up in time to help craddock at coronel had been grounded in the inner harbour and turned into a land fort her heavy turret guns had been left aboard her while those of her secondary batteries had been mounted at the most favourable positions on the hills the standing army of something like thirty-five i believe had been recruited up to several times that figure and all over the island firearms ancient and modern had been taken down and made ready for use von spee's sailors and marines would have had many a ridge-to-ridge -ridge skirmish on their hands before they completed the conquest of the falklands the coming of sturdy put an entirely different face on things continued the captain smartly sidestepping the flying grummet which had been flicked across his path from out of a howling pack of flannelled snotties deep in the throes of hockey on the opposite side of the quarter-deck when are the huns coming was still the question on every tongue but it was now put anticipatively rather than apprehensively they had not long to wait i shall never forget that morning they appeared it was scarcely twenty hours from the time we had dropped anchor and most of the ships of the squadron were rushing those odds and ends of cleaning up overhauling revictualling and the like that always follow arrival in port the cornwall with some repairs on one of her engines to be effected was at six hours notice and the bristol for similar reasons at somewhat longer only the kent was ready to put to sea at once i was in my bath when a signal reading raise steam for full speed with all dispatch was handed me and it did not need another signal which arrived a few minutes later to tell me that by some amazing stroke of joss the enemy was near at hand how near i did not dream until the guns of the old canopus began to boom luckily i was already shaved i liked that little touch but even so my finishing dressing and breakfasting within twelve minutes was a very creditable performance of its kind 
i don't say much for the toilette i made but the breakfast was a good hearty one with porridge eggs and marmalade with an action in the offing and no knowing when you are going to have time to eat again it is only common sense to fortify against an indefinite fast by the time i reached the bridge the topmast of an armoured and a light cruiser were visible slipping along above the headland which cut off the harbour from the open sea the events of the next few hours were to etch the profile of the latter ship indelibly upon my memory for it was the leipzig coming up with the Nisnau to destroy the port stanley wireless station from the foretop of the canopus they were able to see the huns clearing for action and the glasgow and the bristol both of which were in the inner harbour also had a clear view across the depressed neck of the peninsula the other ships of the squadron saw no more than topmasts until they had raised steam and reached the open sea just how the huns came to make the disconcerting discovery that there were modern battle cruisers concealed by the higher seaward end of the peninsula i learned from an officer who had been saved from the sinking nisenau who told me the story in his guttural broken english they had expected to find the canopus at port stanley he said and perhaps the cornwall and carnarvon and other light cruisers but nothing of the class of the invincible and inflexible mein gott nein wenn der gunnery lieutenant sent word from der foretop down he sputtered dort zwei ships mit drei potsmasts geschehen hat mein kaptan he say nein nein es ist impossible ich will ein man mit der gut eyes absenden then this man say ja he see zwei dreipot masts mein kapitan he say der teufel now ich must go quick ein hour zwei hour we run sehr schnell den kommen aus der english ships und pretty soon ich zieh dem kommen mehr schnell von uns then ich say mein kapitan you must der mehr schnell gehen or you must der fight machen he say ja ja and he mehr schnell try zu gehen nicht gut no good den we up mit der scharnhorst gekommen and der admiral he say nun will we der fight gemachen den we machen der fight nicht so gut kaput finish the captain stopped at the windward end of the deck and let the breeze fan a brow that had grown red during his effort at literal rendition a grin of pleased reminiscence sat on his face my word but it must have given the hun a jolly good jolt that first sight of the dry bolt masts he explained finally as he put on his cap and fell into step beside me again if von Spee ever had any time for arrière pensée before the sea closed over him he resumed he must have reproached himself bitterly for not pushing on in force and attacking us in the harbour before we had steam up if his whole squadron had come up as the Nisnau and leipzig did they could undoubtedly have given us a very unpleasant hour or two while we were raising steam we would have polished them off in the end of course but they would have done us a deal more harm than by the tactics they did follow again there is a chance that if the two armoured cruisers had pressed the tack alone as they eventually were forced to do they might have inflicted enough damage to our light cruisers to have made the escape of all three instead of only one of theirs a possibility 
however von spee's star of good fortune which had been at its zenith at coronel was now sinking to near the horizon and it was ordained that at the falklands he should meet an enemy who was both faster and heavier armed than he under conditions of sea and light which favoured him no whit the battle of the falklands was really won in the harbour of port stanley it was all a question of how soon we could get out if we could reach the enemy in anything like full force there was little doubt of the result a delay of an hour or two however might have easily resulted in their scattering so effectually that the running down of the last of them would have been a matter of months and months too marked with great losses of and greater delays too the merchant shipping of two hemispheres nothing short of the truly splendid efforts of the engine-room and stokehold personnel of sturdy ships would have given their gunners their chance to win the battle of the falklands of the cornwall's achievement in this respect i am especially proud with one of the engines partially dismantled we would have been doing all that was expected of us if we had been under full steam in six hours indeed that was the very notice we had gone under in order to do the overhauling desired and now let me tell you what happened it was ten minutes after eight when the signal to raise steam for full speed was received and before half-past ten she was steaming out of the harbour we could have got under way some minutes earlier than we did but for having to let the invincible and the inflexible which had been lying in shore of us pass out ahead and before the day was over the old cornwall with the hardiest lot of lads that ever swung a scoop throwing coal under her boilers covered a wide stretch of the south atlantic at a speed a good knot or two better than she had averaged on her trial trip or at any other time since then there was one trivial but amusing little incident in connection with the departure of the battle-cruisers which stands out particularly clearly among my otherwise rather jumbled memories of those two hours of rush and hurry we had been leading our usual hand-to-mouth existence in the matter of food for some weeks previous to this and one of the things we had most looked forward to our call at port stanley for was revictualling we were losing no time in getting provisions aboard and at the moment the signal to raise steam was received a lighter containing among other things a large cask of beer and a lot of salt pork had just moored alongside we were really in great need of the salt pork and well there seemed to be a considerable desire for the beer also however when the devil drives or a reckoning is to be settled with the hun one can't wait for such incidentals as food and drink knowing that we had enough aboard to keep going on until the game was played out i ordered the lighter to cast off and turned my attention to more pertinent matters i recalled later that i heard the wench grinding once or twice after i gave the order but seeing the lighter floating away with the tide presently thought no more about it for the moment carried hither and thither by the conflicting harbour currents the lighter was half a cable's length or so off our port bow when the battle-cruisers spouting smoke like young volcanoes came charging out to take up the chase of the hun and by a strange chance it was lounging indolently square athwart the course of the flagship 
the sharp bows of the invincible shore it through like a knife and her propellers with those of the inflexible quickly reduced boat and cargo to bobbing bits dancing in their bubbling wake it really hurt me to see that good food and drink snatched almost out of our mouths as it were but i tried to put on a brave front and turn the matter off as a joke beer and pork sausage i remarked to one of my officers who had just come up to the bridge to report the battle cruisers seem to have a good appetite for hun diet this morning i only hope they'll have as good luck gulping down the huns themselves it's only sausage they put their teeth in i'm glad to say sir he replied with a grin the men managed to hoist the beer aboard somehow before casting off the lighter and as i came along just now i heard someone ordering that the cast be put down in a thife place where it won't be old if the un it's us my word said the captain with the same look on his face that it had worn on another occasion when he had told me of the banquets that had been served on the carmania when the cornwall had foregathered with her at a certain mid-atlantic rendezvous after the former had sunk the cap trafalgar my word but we did enjoy that beer when the time came to drink it yes they shared and shared alike with the officers good old pirate law as to loot and salvage you know the kent which was at five minutes notice was the first ship to get under way probably with orders to keep the enemy in sight but not of course to try to engage them the glasgow was the next out and then the carnarvon the cornwall was ready to follow close on the heels of the latter but as i have told you had to wait for the battle cruisers which were now under way we went out not far astern of the inflexible and the bristol which had been on long notice in the inner harbour was last at a considerable interval the battle cruisers with their turbines worked up to full speed a great deal more rapidly than the ships with reciprocating engines and heading straight down the wake of the retreating germans now showed their foreshortened silhouettes in line ahead on the southwestern horizon they quickly drew away from all but the glasgow the latter not long out of the dry dock and swiftest of the lot in any event had passed the kent and was holding a southerly course evidently with the intention of keeping the hun light cruisers in sight and reporting their movements it took something like two hours after the british ships were out to convince von spee that all his efforts to go mer schnell were going to be of no avail there was nothing left for him to do but to weit gemachen in this he had two alternatives to fight with all of his ships or to fight a delaying action with a part of them and give the others a chance to escape his choice was the one that any other sailor as gallant and able as von spee had proved himself to be would inevitably have taken he plumped to fight with the scharnhorst and Neisnau, and let the nuremberg leipzig and dresden make the most of their chances of scattering to safety his signal as we learned it later from prisoners was substantially this light cruisers will make every endeavour to escape to south american ports armoured cruisers will engage enemy and endeavour to delay it was just about noon that i saw the tower-like smoke-crowned silhouettes of the german ships gradually begin to lengthen and when they held steady more or less beam on i knew that the turn of eight points meant that von spee had made his decision as the dark profiles began to draw apart 
the two longest heading to port and the three shortest to starboard i realized at once what that decision was the armored cruisers were going to try to draw the pursuit to the south while the light cruisers sought safety by starring on divergent courses to the south and southwest i think there will be no harm in my telling you that in all the possible contingencies we had discussed under which we might meet the enemy there was none which roughly approximated to the conditions imposed upon us by the fact that he had unexpectedly come upon us in harbour surprising us no less than himself and forcing us to tumble out in pursuit of him in much the same order as a farmer and his family sallying forth following an alarm in their hen-roost what we had generally agreed would happen was that we ourselves spread over a wide expanse of sea in line abreast would sight the enemy steaming in similar formation and in that event it was understood that our battle-cruisers would attend to the two german armoured cruisers while the rest of us took on such of his light cruisers as we could most readily bring to action though already scattered over many miles of sea our problem was really only that of conforming this elastic general plan to present conditions the battle-cruisers altered course instantly to continue the chase of the enemy armoured cruisers but the admiral doubtless realizing that scattered as we were each of the rest of us already conversant with his general instructions would be his own best judge as to where he could be most useful left us to pick our own quarries i made up my mind at once to go after the light cruisers and signalling come on kent the captain of the kent was my junior and therefore subject to my orders in a case of this kind headed off in the direction of what were still little more than three dark blurs on the south-westerly horizon the glasgow which was a long way ahead to port also decided in view of instructions in favour of going after the light cruisers and altering course sharply passed astern of the battle cruisers and converged with the kent and cornwall in the chase the carnarvon which for some reason was not steaming her best and had been left a good distance astern held on after the battle cruisers the bristol which had been delayed in getting out of harbour had been ordered to look after some steamers which had been following von spee and which we believed to carry coal and provisions we afterwards learned that one of them had a cargo of potatoes and as potatoes chanced to be another of the many things which the cornwall was short of at this time i have always harboured the same kind of grudge against the bristol for sinking these as i have against the invincible for putting down my salt pork as soon as it became evident what courses the hun ships were steering i signalled to the kent to go after the port ship which turned out to be the nuremberg while i gave my attention to the middle one of the three the leipzig this would have left the glasgow free to pursue and engage the third ship the dresden which her twenty-six knots of speed should have enabled her to do handily this plan if it could have been carried out would have made a clean sweep of von spee's squadron then and there instead of giving the dresden a new lease on life and some weeks more of uncertainty for merchant ships of both the south atlantic and pacific where it slipped up was through the fact that the glasgow could not avoid engaging the leipzig en passant 
while endeavouring to get within range of the dresden and once having taken on the latter she was bulldog-like reluctant to draw off until her opponent was finished as there was no other ship fast enough to catch up to the dresden her escape was inevitable it was a little after four in the afternoon almost to a minute the time i had reckoned it would be that the fine burst of speed the cornwall had been putting on brought the leipzig well within range and i gave the order to open fire previous to this the latter had been engaging in a very lively little running fight with the glasgow neither appearing to be inflicting serious damage to the other the hun's four point ones were about balanced by the glasgow's equal number of four inch but the latter's two six inch gave her a comfortable margin that would have decided the issue in her favour in the end the german gunners always at their best at the beginning of an action were making good practice however and the glasgow would have known she had a fight on her hands before it was over at the intervention of the cornwall with her fourteen six-inch guns the leipzig very pluckily and properly turned her attention to the heavier armed and therefore the more dangerous of her two adversaries we began hitting her at our third salvo and it must have been about the same time that a shell from one of her well-served four-point-ones came crashing into the cornwall i must say it was jolly good work for such comparatively small guns the extremely high angle they had to be fired at though reduced their chances of hitting and i recall especially one beautifully bunched salvo which struck the water so close to the far side of the ship that it might almost have been dropped from an airship one of the gunners told me an amusing incident in connection with that first hit a boy engaged in passing six-inch shells was inclined to be rather nervous at the outset and was coming in for a good deal of chafing from his more callous mates when the bang and jar of that first explosion ran through the ship a shell had just been handed him to shove along but quivering all over he stood rooted in his tracks and demanded to know what the noise was a guffaw of laughter ran around at the end of which an old gunner replied that my son is a first vaccination mark gradually a grin of comprehension and reassurance replaced the look of terror on the lad's face as he realized that it isn't necessarily so serious a thing after all to have a shell burst above your head right o he cried passing the shell smartly on and this brought on to the un and prevent a smallpox epidemic breaking out on board his ship the joke had passed all the way round the ship before the fight was over and there was red-hot rivalry to the end to keep the hun's smallpox rate down by vaccination when you think of it there's nothing funny about the joke at all but there's nothing equal to the roughest of chaff to keep men's spirits up and their nerves steady in a fight and it's because these lads of ours take fighting in the same happy-go-lucky spirit that they take their sport that they're such incomparable stayers that they're always going stronger at the finish than when they started no matter what the course i remember another amusing little incident which occurred at about this stage of the game owing to the fact that there was no voice-pipe connection from the bridge to the foretop and other nerve centres it was imperative that i should fight the ship from the conning tower an irksome necessity on account of the circumscribed vision 
i found myself making occasional rounds of afternoon calls to the various places with which i wanted to keep in closer touch or from where i had a better chance to see how things were progressing than from the box of the conning tower and one of these took me to the bridge whose sole occupant was the signalman at the rangefinder silhouetted black against the sky and with not enough cover to protect him from a pea-shooter he was still going quietly about his work and apparently having the time of his young life the leipzig's gunnery had not begun to go to pieces at this juncture and every little while one of those beautifully bunched little salvos of four point ones would throw up its pretty nest of foam jets in the nearby water a shell from one of these struck somewhere amidships as i came out upon the bridge and i found the man at the range-finder just throwing an appraising glance over his shoulder to where the fragments of a whaler were mounting skyward in a cloud of smoke my word sir he greeted me with but it's jolly glad i am i ain't back thar where the progers catch you between decks now up here it's different they just passes straight on into the water they passed straight through i repeated what do you mean by that just was i said sir he replied look where's you standin sir the canvas ain't off stiff enough to stop em i looked on my left the canvas windshield was punctured with a smooth round hole at about the level of my waist while on my right a similar strip had been pinked about even with the calf of my leg from the upper hole the ragged ends of the painted canvas were bent inwards from the lower hole outwards twas from the uns last salvo but one sir said the signalman grinning down at me over the range-finder twas a just about plugged you in the knees he was just too late in a comin up sir i believe i told him said the captain with a laugh that while i should hate to be setting an example for unpunctuality on my own ship i certainly hoped and trusted that i should continue being equally late for appointments of that kind he was a brave chap that one and i'm glad to say my recommendation brought him a d c m for the way he carried on that afternoon it's very funny the things one imagines in the course of an action one in which you are being hit i mean there isn't a lot of your ship that you can see from a conning tower and so when anything happens like the explosion of a shell for instance you generally more or less subconsciously for your whole active mind is engrossed with fighting the ship have to speculate on where it struck and what damage it did here is an example of one of my efforts in this line that afternoon a terrific smashing banging followed the explosion of a shell somewhere amidships and from the nature of the racket i instantly jumped to the conclusion that it could be only one thing after funnel carried away i announced to my staff paymaster whom i had kept standing by to take notes and the time of any incidents i thought worth recording though just why i concluded it was the after one i don't remember after funnel carried away he repeated and jotted down the entry against the time the disaster had occurred well i carried on for the next hour or two with a distinct idea in my mind that one of the funnels was gone and i even recall wondering several times in the course of the next hour or two whether any damage had been caused in the engine-room or whether the wreckage was likely to get afire or whether the smoke would be getting in the way of the guns 
indeed it is quite possible i tried to get some assurance on these points by voice pipe i don't remember precisely at any rate it was quite definitely fixed in my mind that that funnel was gone so that when the next time i poked out to have a look round i found that it was not even dented i could hardly believe my eyes i really am not quite sure to this day what it was that made the infernal banging which i took to be that funnel going over the side everything considered the leipzig made as gallant a fight as it is possible to conceive under the fire of two ships either of which was faster and more heavily gunned than herself knowing all the time that her sister ships almost as completely outclassed as herself could never be counted upon to come to her aid and finally desperately short of ammunition the way in which she carried on to the end was worthy of the tradition of any navy indeed it has often occurred to me that von spee and his officers from their long service on the china station had kept themselves entirely free of the contaminating influences of potsdam which have made the names of the high sea and the u-boat fleet words anathema british naval officers who had met those of the scharnhorst and Neisnau in the orient still speak of them with kindness and even occasionally with affection and certainly no one could have faced defeat and death with a finer or more resolute spirit than they did in the falklands perhaps for the sake of their souls it was fortunate that they never got nearer home than the south atlantic as i have told you it was about our third salvo which made our first hit upon the leipzig a shell of this carrying away her topmast the latter in falling appears to have killed the gunnery lieutenant which must inevitably have made it at least a temporary interference with the control the torpedo lieutenant whom we picked up among the survivors took over the direction of the firing from the foretop from that time on there was no appreciable falling off in the leipzig's firing until the fight had been in progress about two hours then the hammering from our shells began to tell rapidly and about six thirty when i noted that both her mainmast and after funnel had been carried away and that she was blazing with heavy fires in several places the firing became spasmodic and finally with the exception of a single gun ceased altogether at this juncture as i learned subsequently there were but eighteen unwounded men left in the ship and it was a scratch crew of these who bringing up odd shells from wherever they could find them continued the fight as long as they had anything to fire then they lit their pipes sat down on the deck and waited for the end at seven fifteen seeing her engines had failed her and that she was lying an apparently helpless hulk in the trough of the now rising sea i gave the order to cease firing scarcely had i done so however when there came another flash from that one unsilenced gun and its well-placed shell pierced the paint-room in the cornwall's forepeak the ensuing clouds of smoke were so dense that i gave orders for the fire to be extinguished with all dispatch luckily the fumes proved to have come almost entirely from the shell itself it was only afterwards of course that i learned in what desperate straits the leipzig was at this moment at the time as she still appeared desirous of carrying on the fight i had no choice but to commence firing again this last salvo or two was quite thrown away however 
that is so far as settling the fate of the enemy was concerned indeed the injury done to her in the first two hours of the fighting would ultimately have sent her to the bottom while the fact that her shells except for the odd ones chivied together for the one gun must have been at an end about the same time would have left her quite incapable of doing us much harm save with a torpedo as i have said however i did not know these things then and so could only continue trying to inflict the heaviest damage possible as long as she kept firing that shot through my paint lockers was the last fired by the leipzig and i have good reason to believe that the shell was literally the last four point one left on the ship two or three of Anspe's ships had wasted a good bit of their quite irreplaceable munitions in what must have been an almost useless bombardment of Papiti in the french societies while on their way across the pacific and coronel made still further inroads into the magazines i do not know whether any other ship like the leipzig exhausted all its heavy shells before being sunk but all of them must have been very low at any case this fact fully vindicates the decision which i told you of some time ago resolved upon by those responsible for the disposition of the greatly inferior force of british ships in south american waters before the intention of sending out the battle-cruisers was known to seek out and fight von spee regardless of the odds in the hope of clipping his claws for the future by compelling him to fire away as many as possible of his remaining shells as soon as it became evident that the leipzig was incapable of further resistance the glasgow as the senior ship signalled do you surrender but to this there was no reply whether this failure to respond was fortuitous or deliberately intentional i was never able to learn definitely but from the fact that her flag was kept flying to the last i am inclined to the belief that it was the latter it is still possible however that she had no halyards flags lights or anything else to signal with even had she so desired she did send up a very light at this juncture but whether that was intended to convey some message to us in lieu of any other means of doing so or whether it was a sort of gesture of farewell to any of her sisters that might still be afloat we never knew if the latter it failed of its purpose for the dresden the only one of von spee's ships still above water had melted into the mists of the horizon hours before on the chance that the rocket was meant as a distress signal we steamed in as close as seemed wise considering the fact that even a sinking ship may launch a torpedo most effectively and lowered away our boats with all dispatch the fact that with a seven per cent list to port due to being holed twice below the water-line on that side it was difficult to lower the boats to starboard as well as the fact that several of our port boats had been smashed by shell-fire hampered the work of relief and the leipzig had gone down while the nearest whaler was still some distance away any of the wounded that may have got clear of the sinking ship succumbed quickly to the icy coldness of the water but of the eighteen unwounded men remaining after the action closed sixteen were picked up eleven by the boats of the glasgow and five by those of the cornwall 
one burly hun picked up by my coxswain whom i had sent in charge of my galley gave the lad the surprise of his life when he exclaimed in impeccable cockney english the instant he was safe aboard goblime my but ain't it bally cold i found out later that he had been for a number of years an interpreter in the law courts of sydney australia an extremely significant admission that he made me in the burst of confidence induced by thankfulness at finding himself safe and sound after the hell he had been through was to the effect that he had received notice of mobilization toward the end of june one could not ask for better evidence than that of the deliberation with which germany prepared for the war which she has made such frantic efforts to delude the world into thinking was forced upon her by the allies in august my greatest surprise of the day and certainly the most welcome came when i asked for a report on our casualties there were none or rather only one the ship's canary killed in its cage when a shell exploded in the wardroom pantry this considering the fact that the cornwall had been hit eighteen times by four point one shell was indeed good luck and fully vindicated the plan i had followed of fighting the earlier stages of the battle at a range which while short enough to allow my heavier guns to do deadly execution was still somewhat extreme for the lighter ones of the enemy the latter it is true were sighted up to a very considerable range but both their accuracy and effectiveness fell off greatly as the angle at which they had to be elevated to carry these long distances was increased the battle cruisers had opened fire on the enemy armored cruisers somewhere about noon as it was not for an hour or two after that time that our divergent courses had taken us out of sight of each other we had a good view of the early stages of the action here again the huns opened with their usual spectacularity and i think i am correct in saying that i saw one of their eight point twos crash home on the invincible before either of them had been struck by a twelve-inch shell from the battle cruisers the balance was redressed a few minutes later and long before the action became to us four lines of flame-splashed smoke on the distant horizon it was plain that the huns were already beaten the Scharnhorst, von Spee's flagship, which had come in for rather more than her share of the fire up to that time, went down with her flag flying at about four o'clock. The Nisnau kept up a brave but unequal fight for two hours longer, which gave the Carnarvon time to come up and help administer the coup de grace until our closing up on the leipzig made it necessary to call them into action stations those who were free to do so had swarmed over the ship in search of the best points of vantage from which to watch the fight between the heavy cruisers they couldn't have cheered with more enthusiasm if it had been a football game and the flame-shot smoke spurts when the battle cruiser's shell exploded on the huns were goals for the ship's team they went down eagerly enough when action stations sounded but it was because i knew that even in the heat of their own fight they must be wondering how that other one was progressing that i had the word passed round to them when about six thirty the wireless brought the stirring news that the battle cruisers had finished their work and the scharnhorst and nisnau were no more 
well it was a great moment when the leipzig went down an hour later but i am not sure that even that sight stirred me more deeply than did those muffled but still ringing cheers that came welling up to my ears from those brave lads sweating in their stuffy tween-deck stations when they heard of the success of the invincible and inflexible when the last of the survivors of the Leipzig had been picked up in the gathering darkness, we put the old Cornwall about and headed back to Port Stanley. Short of coal, and with a heavy list to port, where the Leipzig shells had let water into the bunkers, ten knots was about as fast as I cared to steam her. That, and a thick fog for a part of the time, was responsible for the fact that we were twenty-four hours in returning a distance we had negotiated with all our zigzagging in less than ten on the way to the fight. The day following our arrival I found rest and change in a wild goose hunt in the marshes not far from Port Stanley. End of Section 2